Hey everybody, this is AJ and this is the Unnecessary Podcast. We're listening to Run the Jewels, which is Killer Mike and LP. And uh, if you're new to the Unnecessary Podcast, it's uh, just a random conversation with me and select friends about all different kinds of topics and Today we have a guest like we usually do, and today my guest is Taylor coming from North Carolina. Uh, what's up, Taylor? Hello. Thank you for having me again. Yeah, when you were mentioning before we got on that the last time we did this podcast, you were pregnant with twins? Yeah, the last time we did this podcast was a year ago, and we were talking about how shitty it is to be a parent because I had a, a baby. And about a week after the podcast, I found out I was pregnant again, but with twins. <laughs> and, so but, just... and and now parenting has become really easy, right? Or what? Yeah, parenting three babies under 18 months while there's a pandemic and you can't utilize daycare or school and continuing to work full time. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Love Phoebe. She's always good for a no, no. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite the deal. So you've, you've been working from home since your first uh, child, right? Yes. Um, so that hasn't changed much, but now you have three. Um, what's the sleep schedule been like? <clears throat> Pretty terrible. <laughs> we resorted to putting them all in their own rooms and just locking the door. Mm-hmm. So um, they just cry all night, and we sleep peacefully in our bedroom. Okay, that's. I mean, you got to get your sleep. That's that's fucking <clears throat> two crazy. nights ago. We timed it, and Ellie, who is the youngest, if you will, by an hour, uh, she just she cried two hours and forty minutes straight. Wow! And we did not intervene; just let her do it. See, I think that I have problems because, like, I couldn't go to Vietnam for coronavirus reasons, but it's always nice to have a, a breath of fresh air. Do you have, like, one thing you didn't expect to be this difficult or different, either about coronavirus with kids or just having twins? No, and it was really funny because Adam and I joked that we didn't, if we didn't watch the news or, you know, listen to social media and all that we wouldn't even know there's a pandemic because our life has not changed we cannot leave the house uh when we do it's to get to the grocery store that's like our outing on a friday we're like yes we get to go walk around the grocery store uh so that none our lives have not changed yeah except for daycare we can't drop all these kids off at daycare which sucks and you usually would be doing that like every weekday or just with one of them oh, yeah, or? Every day. okay when yeah. they open. Yeah, yeah. Drop them all off. Yeah, because you have Until work it. and Adam is also working, right? He is. So that's, um, yeah, you can't look after kids while also having a life. <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah, so he's a first responder, firefighter, EMT, and so God knows what he's bringing home. Right. Has he um, had to, like, deal with that at work at all? Oh, yeah. So he's in contact with it all the time. And then before we pulled Rhea out of daycare, they were both coming home with all this stuff. 
mm-hmm. all the time. So everyone in the house is sick 100% of the time. No one's sleeping. Just really fun. Yeah, you're like already dealing with like a conflict zone. Like your life is yeah, pretty disrupted. Yeah. God, that's crazy. Um, well, best of luck to you. Okay, so you live mm-hmm. in outside of Raleigh, right? Yeah, we're in between Raleigh and Durham. Gotcha. And do you have has family? I mean, they're all holed up, right? Up in Virginia, so they're not moving, right? Yeah, it's so funny how everyone does this differently. My dad is like over 60, prime candidate, right? Mm -hmm. All of his buddies, if you will, are doctors in the medical field. And they're not changing their lifestyle at all. You know, they're like around it. They see it. They're like, eh. And then you have these people who are not in the medical profession and they're living, they are complete opposite. Mm. Uh, But yeah, so my dad, he's like out playing tennis with, his friends, and then they go and see patients, and then they get together again, and then he wants to come down and see my kids. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) That's not how this works. Yeah. It's fine for him to live like that, but you can't spread that. You can't be like, spreading it around. Yeah, so he really wanted to come and see all the kids, and I was like, well, you can go to, they have a lake house kind of close to here. It's about three hours. Like, you can go isolate yourself at the lake house for two weeks, and then you can come see my kids. Yeah. he did that. He did? So he uh, he came to visit. Oh, wow. He did it. <laughs> he wow. It. Yeah, so he did. He followed protocols. He came to visit Sunday. And Tuesday morning, he's like, I'm out of here. He couldn't handle it anymore. <laughs> All the crappy babies, the sleeping kids, the no sleeping. He's, he lasted. He got in Sunday afternoon. He was with us all day Monday. And then Tuesday morning at 9 a.m., he was like, packed his bags. He's out. He's like, I need a break. I need, I'm going back to the hospital. <laughs> This is way too much for me to handle. Yeah, I'm going back to like treating coronavirus people. <laughs> oh my god. Um, do, are you thinking about like what your kids are gonna go through living now versus like when we grew up? Do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, are they not gonna shake hands? Yeah, I know. Gonna- what do we do? Do we bow? Like, we need a alternative. Yeah. I mean, I don't think their lives are going to change. Just yesterday, we were sitting out on our deck. It was really nice out here. It was like 85 degrees, perfect weather. So we're sitting out on the deck, and Raya comes out and looks at us and just starts licking the door frame. (laughs) (laughs) Ooh, I don't think you want to do that. It's like green from pollen. And, I mean, how are you going to change the lifestyle of an 18-month-old? You're not. No. She's just going to continue to lick everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's going to lick. It's kind of like, a, it's like, a. well, they say like dogs have the intelligence of like small children and like dogs lick everything. Dogs are like, oh, like this, this tastes good. Like this is interesting. Yeah. It's like, you're not supposed to lick that. So. It's a pretty deadly combination watching the interaction, you know, watching a one and a half year old go up and shove their finger inside a dog's butthole and then give it to them to lick <laughs> and then lick it. It's like, Aww. Oh, very this is bonding. That's yeah. bonding mm-hmm. at its finest. <laughs> yeah. Put that on a Hallmark card. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. I don't know. It's the classic choose your battles. You know, am I going to yell at her for that? Or am I going to, mm-hmm choose yelling at her for biting her sister's face. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I just don't have enough strength to be yelling all day. So the butthole finger thing, I just let go. Got to pick your battles, pick your buttholes. Yeah. And you don't want to, I mean, I think it's fine to like, you know, even though that's like you would yell at an adult for doing that, like it's okay to would not, you? not yell would at Would you small. yell at an adult for doing it? No, we'd probably like pay them. We'd probably be like, <laughs> I'll pay you 20 bucks to, you know, do something disgusting. So you're right. That is, that is weird behavior. I don't think there's ever a time where you're going to yell at a human being for sticking their finger in some in a dog's butthole. There's just not. A kid, yeah, you let it go. An adult, you're intrigued. Uh-huh, right. And if it's a stranger, you're, like, scared. You're like, I don't know what's going to happen next. You, sir, I'm going to stay clear of. Mm-hmm. You're a loose cannon. You're, like, uh, a wild card, clearly. <laughs> we don't know what you're capable of. Um, I, watch these, <laughs> I watch these YouTube videos that are entitled Only in New York or about that, though. And it's just, like, people doing weird stuff in public. Um, like people dressing up like Batman and like riding on like an electric scooter down fifth Avenue playing like Batman music or something like weird people being bizarre slash performancey. Um, so I feel like, st- or like people have like pet lizards or rats that they take with them on the subway and people are just weird. So sticking a finger in a butthole is totally in that realm. But see at what age does it move from cute to weird? Probably like seven i think it's pretty early see that's a conversation adam brings up he's like at what point can i not shower in front of these girls Mm -hmm. right that's a good question well and also i was reading about pre-contact hawaiian culture and like the sexuality that they had and it was crazy like first of all the family would live in a hut uh in like a one-room studio and like kids would grow up like experiencing the mom and dad like having sex in front of them and like or if the daughter was old enough like they like women would start having sex really young and um, boys would start having sex really young and the boys would have sex with the old ladies like the older women it was like their social duty to like teach young boys how to like pleasure women and it was it was crazy to like see all this and um I, i mean my my protestant upbringing was like this is like immoral and like disgusting (laughs) but um but it's it's i'm trying to look at this from like a non-judgmental place and be like is it it made me question like how i thought of children and sexuality and it was just like so weird and i'm like clearly this couldn't work in colorado or north carolina but but maybe maybe it worked it it would start in colorado (laughs) yeah totally there's, this is where things come to, people come to experiment. For sure. Maybe like Boulder. Totally Boulder. <laughs> um, yeah, like Buddhism started here and like vegetarian. It's similar to like California, that kind of hippie vibe. But it might be a little, like Colorado might be a little weirder than, Cal- than, than like California might be more predictable. Yeah, it's really bizarre the drastic difference between cultures relating to sex. I was watching that new Gwyneth Paltrow show. I can't think of the name of it, but they had an episode on just female sexuality. And on an episode, you watch someone, oh, someone, a woman pleasure herself. Mm-hmm. And looking at all these different pictures and how everyone's body parts look drastically different. And they talked about the percentage of women not knowing 
are seeing what their vagina looks like. Oh, yeah. They've never looked at it. Right. And then you have, like, all the different cultures in the Middle Eastern countries. And it's just so different. Yeah. Um, Like sewing parts up. Yeah, uh, yeah, like gen- yeah, genital mutilation or, or like female circumcision. Um, so mm. weird. Back to buttholes. Back to, okay, please, go ahead. I'm just kidding. Butthole me. Um, I watched this awesome, this weird documentary called Red Pill, and it's this feminist who goes into the men's rights activist movement to like study it. Um, and she was she was studying rape culture, and she led to like, um, kind of it's 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 similar to like incels, involuntary celibates, and like this very toxic masculinity subculture. Um, but she was specifically looking at and talking with these people who consider themselves men's rights activists. Um, and when they talk to her, when she interviews them, they're like incredibly um, cordial and and courteous and and like well spoken, and they're not angry. Um, and also they're not against women's movements um but they're like anti-feminist and it's it's just very bizarre and i disagree with them but but they talk about how like essentially their movement is about how toxic masculinity affects men and and can hurt men just like it hurts women and it might not hurt men as much as it hurts women like toxic masculinity hurts everybody is kind of like what the men's rights activist um approach seems to be and like so like male circumcision like if you watch a video, it's like, it's like abuse. It's like child abuse, but I'm really happy that my penis is circumcised because I'm lazy and I don't feel like cleaning it. Um, but it probably wasn't a good thing that I got circumcised, but, but like also like whatever. Um, I turned out fine. I think fine enough, but, uh, <laughs> I've I, never watched a video of that happening. I mean, it's just like a baby getting tied down and like they're screaming and crying and like it. Why are they being tied down? Because like people don't want to be cut. <laughs> like <laughs> it's just like a natural reaction to like don't don't scissor up my genitals. But don't they do it immediately after a baby's born? I think they do it like three days, like within the first week or something. Um, no. Yes. You leave the hospital and you have to come back. That yeah. Is not the and like no. Jewish people do it at a bris. They don't even well, do it. Well, yeah, in but besides Jewish people, like if you're, besides... if you have a son, let's get my mom on the phone. Mom, let's talk about my dick. So if we were to have a boy, which we had all girls, and mm. that's great, but and said, okay, we're gonna have him circumcised after he was born. I think they do it immediately. Let's see. When do boys get circumcised? They don't like say, okay, see you later, send you on your way. And you have to bring this infant back into a hospital. So it says when the birth occurs in a hospital, circumcision is usually done within 48 hours. So it's, yeah, it's pretty soon, but I think it's done like a day later. That is so bizarre. So you're like laying with your newborn and like just all peaceful moment. And then the doctor comes in and is like, excuse me, ma'am. Time for the circumcision. Take your son away and chop off some of (sighs) his skin. Yeah, and it looks, it's like a gross surgery, and then sometimes it messes up, and kids just have these disgusting fucking genitals. It sucks. But um, but they also talk about how, like, 
like boys are like molested, obviously. And so men can be victims of toxic masculinity. And also like, like 75% of suicides are men. Um, most, most drug addicts are men. So like men present their, um, destructive behaviors in different ways than women. And like, but yeah, yeah, it's like toxic masculinity, um, is, is just destructive in general. And so after watching it, it gave me like a much more empathetic view of when a man's like, well, what about, what about my rights? Like it's, I, I still disagree with them, but at least I'm more like sympathetic. Understanding of yeah. Some of their points. Yeah. So if you, I know children are not something that are on your brain, but if you were to have a son, would you circumcise his little? Finger? I don't think so. Um, you wouldn't. No, my good friend Kyle um, has a son who's uncircumcised and it's like no problem. It's like the kid's fucking fine. It's like an extra 10 seconds of washing every day or five seconds um, to make sure it's clean. You so have you don't to get wash it every day? Well, it's like showering. You wash it. Well, it's like, it's like cleaning. Don't you wash your dick in the shower anyways? Yes, but with without foreskin, it just like it takes it's like it's part of washing the rest of your body the surfaces when you have foreskin you have to like peel it back and you have to like get in you have to like get under the foreskin from what i understand Are you like q-tips into the shower no i think it's just soap because you could pull it back you just pull it but like I don't, I don't fuck i don't have it so <laughs> um but it was it's good like if you're in africa and aids is super high shit like that transmits disease if you don't clean it a lot so that's the benefit. Um, that's why, like, 2,000 years ago, Jewish people would do it. But, yeah, I don't think it's as necessary. That's why it started. The benefit was hygiene? Uh-huh. Yeah. Huh. Then why don't you continue it? Um, because it's tor- it's child abuse. <laughs> so it's like, eh. Because we have soap now. We have, like, we have like indoor plumbing. <laughs> but anyway, it was a great documentary i recommend you uh you watch it <laughs> yes in my free time i'm gonna add that one mm-hmm. people keep telling me what documentaries to watch and i automatically say you don't have kids do you <laughs> correct we do not everyone's being quarantined catching up they've they're just plowing through netflix mm-hmm. um <clears throat> onward is a new movie out it was supposed to be in theaters, but because of everything happening, it automatically posted on Disney. I've seen the first six minutes of it, maybe maybe almost 20 times, mm-hmm. and then like a couple of minutes in the middle, and that is it. It is on our TV almost every single night, and I see the same parts over and over and over again, <laughs> because the attention span of kids is not great. Mm-hmm. So that's that's the only movie new movie I've seen in pieces. Well, I'll bit. I'll watch it. I'll probably watch it next week and finish it before you. Unfortunately, sorry. I'm never gonna finish it. Yeah, sorry. Just it. <laughs> when they're in college, you'll finish it when they're in college. I put it together in my head. Mm-hmm. Like this is probably what happened. <laughs> well, okay. So how old will you be when they're when they're freshmen in college? You know, you'll be like in your fifties or whatever, and uh, you can watch so it. So seventeen years from now. Yeah, you'll watch it then. Okay. <laughs> How old will I be? Seven. Fifty. I'll be fifty. Great. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Something are like. Do you plan on having more kids, or is that like you can't think about tomorrow? 
no, I don't want, I never want to be pregnant again. Yeah. Ever. Yeah. Would you do it if Adam could get pregnant next time? No. (laughs) I would have to like take care of him during the pregnancy. Ugh. Yeah. It'd be the worst. I'd be the worst pregnant person. Um, Yeah. You're right. No, that makes sense. Terrible. Yeah. I mean, I was huge. Yeah. Huge, huge. And like, I feel like most people when they are pregnant with twins, they want the babies to get to be four pounds. Uh huh. That's like really big and healthy and nice. And each of our kids were seven pounds. Uh. And I delivered oh three and a half weeks early. So if I went full term, they probably would have been like nine or ten pounds each. Ay ay ay. Terrible. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the last week of pregnancy, I was on bed rest. I couldn't like get out of bed. I couldn't walk. I couldn't do anything. It was just like, wow. Do you have pictures was... of your ankles? No, cause I didn't have pictures of anything. You were probably, I yeah. to be seen. I was like, this is terrible. I'm not moving. Um, yeah. When they like, when you deliver now, you, they have to weigh everything to help monitor hemorrhaging. Yeah. They want you to know how much blood loss and all that. And so yeah. they wave everything on the table. And she's like, the one nurse came over to me and she was like, that was a lot of baby. We just weighed everything. It was 29 pounds. I was just walking around trying to carry 29 pounds mm-hmm. all day, every day. That's just, nuts. Yeah. I've, I've picked up two 15 pound dumbbells before. And like, it's so noticeable, you know, like that's. I mean, I've lost, cause I've lost that much weight before. And then I've picked up those dumbbells to like, see what it was like. And I'm like, holy Yeah, but shit. that's dispersed. It's not just like right here. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. That's yeah. Yeah. Totally. It's totally different. You're, <laughs> yeah. Mine was evenly dispersed throughout my body. Yeah, it wasn't just 15 pounds or 30 pounds. That's not how it worked for you? Holding on your back. No. Oh my God. No, no. Did you? Ugh, no, I never want to be pregnant again. I want Adam to go. And speaking of surgeries on your dick, I really want Adam to get fixed. <sighs> I mean, yeah. I even I've talked about this, and I'm, I'm like, when you're, when we have to figure out like the next like, I I IUD situation, um, she doesn't want to get a new one, and so I'm like. I will get the surgery because that sounds, that's a better option than, than anything yeah, else. Yeah, it's an in and out patient surgery. You literally walk in and 20 minutes later, you walk out. Yeah, I think it's better than um, having like an unregulated copper device inside your body that like has not been tested properly because lawmakers, uh, I guess, don't use IUDs. Because you need a or uterus. Or a female version of the surgery, which is like super intense. Oh, really? I didn't know that. I don't know. I made that up. But I assume sure. it would be because you have to like go under the knife. There's Ours are hanging down. I feel like that's got to be easier. It's like literally outside my body. Well, they don't even put you under either. They just like numb it. Yeah, that makes, I mean, it's fucking half numb anyway as it is. I think it's my it's my least favorite part of my body is the fact that like organs that can be painful live outside of the rest of my body. I hate it. It's You're the, just vulnerable. We, yeah, it's it's whatever. 
<laughs> well, I don't want the surgery. I did say if I had to have a C-section to deliver, mm -hmm. I would also have the surgery done because they're already cutting open. Mm -hmm. But I didn't have to have a C-section. So you're up, buddy. Mm -hmm. I would, oh, I've always wanted to have like multiple surgeries done in one sitting. Like you mentioned, like they're, I'm already open. Can you just like do that too? <laughs> I would love it if like they could fix, fix my, my balls and then like do a quick deviated septum surgery <laughs> and like get a couple other things figured out. Yeah. I, I was talking to them. Like I knew what I was talking about. It's kind of like going to the auto shop, but cause I <laughs> developed three hernias with this pregnancy because I was, it was just terrible. So I was like, so if I have to have a C-section, can you also like, you know, make sure, take care of whatever you need to do so that I can get pregnant again? And can you take care of these three hernias? And they were like, that's not how this works. <laughs> no, we can't do that. So I was like, well, why not? Mm -hmm. I'm cut open down there. Just like, you know, finagle your way through. <laughs> and uh, give me an estimate on a new set of tits while you're at it. Can you? <laughs> That'd be nice. So I didn't get any of that stuff done, but I did have two healthy babies. So I guess whatever. I guess it's a win. Mm -hmm. Totally. Um, I think Adam once explained it to me when I was talking about him with, uh, uh, talking to him about, about your first daughter. Um, I think it was him who was like, or it was one of my friends who said, you know, there's all this like freaking out over every little parenting decision you might make. But at the end of the day, people have been raising children for tens of thousands of years and people continue to raise children without like books or, or websites or like doctors and tips um, or whatever. It might've been Adam and you telling me that, that it's like, ah, eh, we just kind of, go with the flow and figure it out. Yeah. Our level of stress has completely diminished between the first baby and the second baby, even though they were so close. Parker and Ellie really aren't doing much still. They're still kind of just like rocks that sit there. Right. But even with them, my, oh my gosh, stress level with Rhea is like completely gone. Hmm. The other day we were sitting and she was, she had something in her mouth and she's just like playing around and sucking on it. And I was like, what is that? And it was a Lotrimin for like, it's for um, a rash normally like jock strap. Like you, we put it on her when she has, um, if you have a yeast infection, you can put it on or something like that. Anyways, it's an antifungal cream. And she's just eating it. And like, I don't know how she got the top off. She's just sitting over there snacking on it. And I was like, man, that cannot be good. But did I call poison control? No. <laughs> Is she still alive? Yes. Mm -hmm. It's just one of those things that you stop stressing about. Adam's brother, Robert, he just got a dog. Him and his girlfriend. Mm -hmm. And we're like, man, you guys are first-time parents. We talked to them the other day, and they were like, we're, we're sitting outside the vet. Um, the dog ate some chocolate. I'm like, that's a stupid <laughs> bill. That is a vet bill I would have avoided paying. Yeah. Just wait until they throw it up. <laughs> chocolate? I think you're going to be all right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I've had dogs eat chocolate. And if, like, they didn't die already... 
then they're probably not going to die. Yeah. Just, just calm down. It's like an instant type of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, Do you guys have a dog? No, we've been dog sitting, which was going great uh, until people stopped needing dog sitters completely because everyone's home. Yeah. So it's been great. And we've gotten close to like 10 different dogs um, that we've looked after. Um, but it sucks to like feel sad every time that a dog leaves. Um, but we stopped, we like went on Rover, which is the app that we use to book people. And we made ourselves unavailable to everybody except the people that we've seen before. Um, so we're not going to get anybody new because we have like 10 dogs that we love around town that we want to see. That's nice. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It's like a little bit of extra cash and we can't, really own a dog because one of us or both of us are out of town pretty often. So yeah, you wouldn't bring them with you. Um, I think we would, I don't maybe I'm not a huge fan of small dogs, but I guess if we got a small dog potentially, um, but like we're supposed to be in Vietnam right now. Uh, I don't know if we would like bring a dog to Vietnam. <laughs> You have to do a swap where one of the people you dog sit for now. Right. I always thought it's like time sharing a dog. I always thought that would be a good idea. Yeah. Um, have like a shared calendar, split custody kind of thing. Um, Eva's good friend has three dogs, but she like never leaves the house essentially. And is like almost retired. And, um, works from home mostly and lives pretty close. So we could always like dump a dog there if we needed Three to go. Dogs. Yeah. She just, she, she went to the vet, uh, she went to the kennel and wanted to get like one and came home with three. So. <laughs> Sounds terrible. I guess it's kind of like kids though. Like when you have so many of them, when someone drops off another, you don't even notice. It's yeah. Like, yeah. They just fall into line. Yeah. Add it They're to the, in there someplace. Yeah, just add it to the workload. <laughs> Too many responsibilities. Mm. No, 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 no. I can't imagine adding anything else. Adam was talking about getting another bulldog, and I was like, that's not going to happen. It's just not. Yeah, how old is your dog right now, old Chonko? He is six. Right? Yeah, six. He's already six. I'll never forget your face expression when you first met Chaco. What was my face expression like? I don't well, remember. You came over to the house and you were like walking down the hallway and I was like, AJ, guess what? And you were like, what? And Chaco like <laughs> ran out of my room down the hallway and you were like, oh! <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> you were so excited. You were like, really? Because he was like a fat roll. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. Oh, man. Yeah, what a cute little bulldog. Stupid Chonko. Um, the tenant in that condo, his name's Tim, mm -hmm. and he's now lived there longer than I lived there. Isn't Aww. that so weird? Yeah, it's, it's whatever. Um, I think our neighbor cooks drugs, FYI. So, like, for we've we've lived here um, in this in this condo that Eva bought for a little over two years, um, and ever since we moved in. Like 
the neighbor across the hallway would have this awful smell coming from his apartment, but usually it was like patchouli, like incense, um, which Eva hated, but I didn't care about. But, but like also we noticed that the patchouli was very clearly covering up another smell and just some, it smelled like, it just smelled awful, like a dead body. And I'm like, oh, he's like, this guy's like murdering hookers or like, just like some gross funk. Just like, I, I, it was hard to describe. Um, and, but then sometimes it would smell like chemicals, like burning chemicals. And one day I get on the elevator and this woman gets on um, with like all these cleaning supplies. And, and I cl- press my, my uh, fourth floor button on the elevator and she's like, oh, I'm like, what floor do you need? She's like, I'm also going to four. And we get off the elevator and we're walking and I notice that she's coming down the hallway with me. And I'm like, oh, you're, you're uh, going to Steve's place. My neighbor, Steve. And she was like, oh yeah, he, he, uh, he wanted me to help him clean up, uh, do some cleaning. And I'm like, what? This is fucking bizarre. Like it stinks like dead bodies weird. Like, and she looked like cracked out. I, I volunteered a needle exchange, um, in town. And like, I know what fucking cracked out people look like. And she was cracked out. So I'm like, this something's up. Um, and he, he's a postal worker, which is like a red flag for me that you're kind of a psychopath anyway. Um, so, so that's the deal. Um, I, we think because so you didn't follow up with more questions. You didn't make like a really weird, inappropriate comment about what they're cleaning. No, no. So, yeah, okay. It's really hard to get that dead body stench yeah, out. It gets weirder. Um, once I saw like a little bit of blood on like the door frame going into the house, I'm like, what the fuck? Now I'm seeing blood. This is fucked up. Like clearly a streak of blood. And I'm like, Eva, that's blood. Right. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, what the fuck? Um, and, uh, then he started propping his door open. Experiment. I want to know more. Well, like we don't want, I don't want to get like shot or stabbed. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, this is what you do. You have to say, (laughs) you have to like coordinate with Eva. Okay. And say, all right, I am going to go over and knock on the door and be like, I just got locked out of my apartment. Eva's on our way home. (sighs) Would you mind if I like. I just chilled here for um, a little bit or say, and I have to use the bathroom so bad. Would you mind if I use your bathroom mm-hmm. while I'm waiting for Eva to get home? Mm-hmm. So then you have an out, like, right. and then Eva's home and she comes over and she's like, Hey, Jam, back home. You can come home. So like you're covered, you're safe, but then you get to see inside the apartment. Um, that I, I I'm, I'm kind of down for that plan, but Eva's like, he could kill you right there. Like, People who do meth are like super paranoid, like super impulsive. You could just take them out. Not with like a gun. I'm telling you. I'm (laughs) I'm telling you, you don't want to fuck with fucking weird people. Like I don't want to be stabbed. Um, But he started propping his door open with a boot, which was super weird. And and it made the awful smell come into the hallway even more. Um, It smelled like old shoes. Like if you had like an old smelly shoe. That was just like the worst smelly. Like if you lived inside of an old smelly shoe, like it smelled so bad. Um, and he was propping the door open. And so Eva was like, you got to talk to him. Cause Eva's getting nauseous from the, like from the, the smell in the hallway. And like, we're having people company over and it's just like gross. And so I knock on the door to like, tell him like, listen, we'd, we would, can you please shut the door? <laughs> um, and he's no, no one's answering and I keep knocking. And I'm like, I'm like, Steve, Hey, Steve, it's AJ. Steve, are you there? No answer. And then now I'm thinking like, I could just walk into this guy's house and I have an excuse 
you know, I knocked, you weren't answering. I'm concerned about you. Cause we consider each, I can like, he considers me like friendly, you know, we're always friendly to each other. I see him pretty often. Um, I don't think it'd be weird if I had gone in there and been like, Hey Steve, I'm, I'm checking up on you. What's going on? You know? And then I see fucking dead bodies or whatever. I was ready to go in and start taking pictures, you know? Um, but I decided not to, cause I didn't want to get shot. Um, and Eva was like, yeah, don't go in there. <laughs> so. So do you think he just didn't want to lock his door and he was running out? Maybe. I think maybe he, that's what's weird. Cause you can, you can press a button. So our doors automatically lock when you close them. Um, so you could lock yourself out. However, um, if you open the door, there's a little button you can press so that you, so that you don't lock yourself out so that when you close the door, it remains open. So there's like no reason like there's that no reason for this boot in the door. <laughs> no, but he's probably, he probably, his apartment probably stinks and he's trying to cross ventilate to like clear out the smell. But so he's not how home. did you leave it? You were just like, all right, well, Steve's not home and this is just weird. I'm going to go home and act like no, none of this happened. I wrote a note on the door. Uh, I wrote a note um, and put it on the door. <laughs> I didn't write it. I wrote a note in blood on his door. Um, I just wrote this letter saying like, hey, Steve, it's AJ. And uh, uh, Eva is incredibly sensitive to, to, to smell and to smoke and. Um, it's really bothering us in the hallway and, and it's actually coming through our door, which it wasn't, but I wanted to say that. And I was like, so if you could, if you could just close the door, that'd be awesome. And so he did. And we never, or he never, we never spoke about it again. Um, so weird, right? So that's, so Steve's still over there. Steve's still there. Uh, he's a, we don't know if he's renting or owning and even are like, we got to sell our place. Cause this guy's cooking meth. Um, I asked two people at the needle exchange, two of the staff members who have quote unquote lived experience. Um, I described the situation to them and what the smells were like. And I asked like, is it unreasonable for me to be suspicious? And they're like, not at all. Like you have, you should totally be suspicious. This is like exactly what these situations are like. I'm like, great. <laughs> so. Oh man. Yeah, living in close quarters like that is so crazy. Do you remember the fights that we would get in with the guy living upstairs? Yes, that's why Andrew? I thought that it reminds me of your weird neighbor. Yeah. You remember the notes that Andrew and him would write back and forth? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but I could picture Andrew being like, I, I'm going to solve this with, with logic and talking. And like, nope. Yeah, well, then Matt would get involved while he was drunk and high, and <laughs> the letters would become ridiculous. <laughs> oh, my. They thought they were fucking, like, I don't know, just professional letter writers. I don't know, <laughs> I don't know what that is. <laughs> I wish I had them saved someplace. To whom admit, dear sir. Um, yeah, I would love to read a drunk and high demand letter to a neighbor. Poor Andrew. Have you talked to Andrew? Uh, yeah, I saw him uh, a couple months ago, and we played we played games on Zoom. We played online games uh, last week because coronavirus um, is allowing us to connect that way. So that's nice. Uh -huh. I tried to call Matt, and he said that he was busy um, buying supplies. I don't really know what that means. 
could mean anything. Like this weird thing with watching the show. Um, what is that show when they prepare for different natural disaster or disasters to come? Is it Doomsday Preppers? Yes. Uh, and one time he convinced me that we should dedicate an entire room to just storage <laughs> and stocking <laughs> up on canned food and water because we really need to. <laughs> Yeah, he was watching a lot of Alex Jones, I bet. That was after we spent an entire day watching My 600-Pound Life <laughs> while also watching our neighbor Cheryl's house be cleaned out because she was a hoarder. I remember her, and yeah. And the hoarder team come in, yep. and so we just sat in the window and drank and watched them shovel <laughs> garbage out of her house. I love how you sat and drank and watched it. Um, so after that happened, that's when Matt said he's thinking about just essentially being a hoarder. real into it. Yes. Wow. 600 pound life and doomsday preppers. But you would think those shows would discourage him from doing that. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> he's like, these people are onto something. <laughs> he's a weirdo. Uh, he really zags. Um, I used to be like a total conspiracy type guy. And so recently, yeah. And so with all this coming up, I'm like, Eva, we got to get some fucking water tablets. We got to get these purification <laughs> tablets are going to be worth gold after society collapses. Yeah. And toilet paper, apparently. Right. Oh God. You're missing out here. I know. I wish I liked bidets because I would, I would get a bidet. They have like attachments that go on your toilet, but I don't like them. So I'm stuck with toilet paper. How do you know? Have you tried that? Yeah, I tried it once and I'm like, I don't like this. I don't like having water squirted on my asshole. But then, yeah, it's so wet. So then you pull your pants up. I think they have like a dry. I think they they then fucking air dry it. Like you have to like blow dry your asshole after. And that's like, what what are we doing here, people? Um, (laughs) But really, it's like. Wait, wait. So you stand up and you have the water clean you off and then you continue to stand there and wait to air dry. I think so. I think I remember it being like that. It's actually, I don't think I waited for it to dry. I was like, fuck this. I'm using toilet paper. This experiment is over. Um, Have you been to Japan? No, but I can't wait. Cause you've said so many crazy things about it. In Tokyo. I could not figure out the toilet. <laughs> Cause they sing and it. stuff. At one point, the first couple of times I went into the bathroom, I went out without flushing the toilet. Cause I was like, I give up. I don't understand. I don't know what to do. I push every single button and I just too bad because I couldn't get it. But you're supposed to like listen to sounds Mm -hmm. and I don't know if it's for you, like a soothing thing or it's for like courtesy of everyone else in the bathroom. Yeah. yeah. You're supposed to like turn on a sound. Mm -hmm. That's like the first thing you do. And then you go to the bathroom. Right. Yeah, it's like when I used to cough while farting, <coughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, but see, you can't just cough your way through a long poop. No, no, you cannot. I've, I've been there. I've tried. But I think it's also for pee. Like, they just don't want to hear anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, have you ever been in a bathroom and hear somebody talking on the phone while in a stall? Like myself? Oh, do you do that? I have. I've been on really long meetings where I'm like, I'm not going to make it. So I've, well, I don't talk then. I just put myself on mute. But you're at home. But you're at home. 
Yeah. Okay, that's that's fine. I I in my opinion, I've been in airports. I've been in like the fucking Philadelphia airport where I'm just like going. I'm getting in the bathroom, and I just hear like. Oh, so anyway, babe, I, I had a lot of oh the fucking I shouldn't have had the chili, and like he's this literally this guy was like having the most disgusting shit sounds while talking to I think his like significant other about how like he shouldn't have eaten the jalapeno poppers because it was like causing him shits right before his flight and I'm like ugh this guy is like way too comfortable in the Philadelphia bathroom. <laughs> Like well, what about like a what about if you're at home like have you called your mom while you're taking a shit or oh something? totally and yeah I've, I've called people i've i've answered calls while taking shits who just don't do it in public is your request yeah and and you know i'm usually not gonna tell the person that i'm actively defecating while they're talking to me um so i think that's another line like i might tell my cousin, like one of my cousins, like certain people, discerning audiences might might be okay with knowing that I'm shitting while talking to them, but I won't tell my mom. Like I'll just talk to her. Does that make sense? Because I'm yeah. a gentleman, Taylor. Oh. But at oh. the Philadelphia airport, like fucking IBS dude with his wife was not, it's not what I'm about. See, I, I think it's fine. You think it's... <laughs> I'm going to allow him to do what he needs to do. I, you know, in a way I envy him and that is his home. Right. No, no. I envy him. That's the problem is like, I'm really angry at myself for not being the man that he is. (laughs) That's what all of my, my anger is. It's really just secretly jealous. (laughs) Wait, so are you guys trying to do one big trip a year? Um, we've actually bumped it up to two. Because Eva's yeah, Eva's a federal yeah, government employee, so you have more and no money. kids. Yeah, the no kids thing uh, really helps. And then Eva, being a federal government employee, she gets more vacation time than she can take. So yeah. So how do you decide? Do you like have this big world map and just throw a dart and be like, ah, look at where we're going this year? Um, we've okay, been. Damn it, I didn't want to go to Afghanistan. Oh, right, right. Oh fuck. So actually after Morocco, we've decided that like, we're probably not going to go to any other Muslim countries just because it's like uncomfortable. Um, at least, and at least in Morocco, like you're like the kind of at- unwanted attention that women get is like flirtatious and like amorous, you know, like catcalling. Um, you're not like, you don't, you don't feel like you're going to have acid thrown on you, even though that's like completely fucking a possibility. Um, but after that un- semi uncomfortable experience, we were like, eh, we don't, now we don't want to go to like Saudi Arabia. It's like, that's even yeah. more so. Um, but we've been making our decisions on where to go partially based on if we know somebody who lives there. Um, like we were supposed to go to Vietnam because, um, Eva's cousin, Jesse teaches English there, but this is his last year teaching English there. Mm. So that would have been cool. Yeah. Um, we went to Spain and Morocco because, um, Eva's good friend just retired and moved to Spain. Um, and then we went to Brussels and, and Amsterdam last year because that's my favorite place in the world. So I've already, I've been there four times. Um, which one, uh, Brussels and Amsterdam I've been to four times. Oh, okay. And some other places in Belgium I've been to a couple times. 
So we've been so there. So at what point are you like, okay, I've been here and there, I'm not going to be alive forever. So I want to continue just seeing new places. Um, yeah, like it's super rare that we find a place that we want to go back to. <laughs> like, or, or that we like, well, we always want to go back, but I, we don't think we'll go back to Prague until we're retired, you know, um, or Budapest. Like they were cool, but we like, we've been to enough places where those aren't our favorite places. So maybe we'll go there in 30 years, but we don't have enough time to go there in the meantime. Um, but a place like Brussels, it's like, that is my favorite place in the world. Um, so I will go back there like every couple of years, maybe for like a five day weekend or something. Um, and Amsterdam. Um, and then Italy, we've both been to like, we were both there like 15 years ago and we're both going to go back together now. And so that might be one we see every 10 years, but I don't know. It's, it's been, obviously there's so many freaking new places to see. Um, we've just always had like a next destination in mind kind of thing. Yeah. So Vietnam was this year. Vietnam and Italy. We were going to go to Italy in October, but we're not sure. So will you reschedule Vietnam or no, because you already have a trip in the fall. Um, we are going to reschedule Vietnam partially because some of our like day trips and stuff, we didn't get a refund. We just got a credit that we can use within a year. So we're probably going to go back next year. Um, just do the same exact time next year. Um, cause they have a monsoon season that lasts from mid April through November. So, <laughs> um, yeah. so we'll go back. Um, and then it'll just like the next trip after that was going to be, uh, my friend from college is from Kenya and lives there. And so we could do like a safari kind of thing. Um, and then after that, our friend, uh, has parents who live in Greece and he goes back every year. Um, so we were going to go with, with our friend to Greece and Kenya. So yeah, we kind of have like the next like four trips. Yeah. We have like the next two years of trips planned out. So I'm so jealous. Well, we can't even make it to like DC. Right. I hear ya. Well, um, we will die alone and lonely without kids. So I'll just send all of my kids to help take care of you when you're old. Oh my God. We are planting so many hard seeds in these nephews and nieces. Yeah. We're just like, that's be like, I'll include you in my will. Yeah. I'm just, I'm whispering to my three-year-old. I'm like, nobody loves you more than uncle AJ. (laughs) Like who loves you the most? Uncle AJ loves you the most. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's perfect. To the, to the point where my, my sister asked her son, like, who loves you? And his answer was uncle AJ. And I'm like, yes, (laughs) the kid knows. (laughs) That's perfect. Mm -hmm. Wait, so are you, I didn't really hear too much, but you're thinking about, uh, having a career shift. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about this. Um, so yeah, I, I left my last job. Um, I was selling, software to lobbyists for the last three years. And that was fun, but I didn't like the company culture. And for, for like many years, I thought that what would bring me the most fulfillment and like what I thought I was supposed to be doing was, was some type of nonprofit or like public service type work in general. And, and specifically I thought that nonprofit work like just made sense or, or NGO type work. 
Um, so I'm a board member as a volunteer for two nonprofits in Colorado and, um, they provide like healthcare services. Like I mentioned, the needle exchange is, uh, is one that I'm also a board member of. Um, so I, I'm going to, through those organizations, um, teach myself grant writing because they have grant writers that, that want to teach me how to do that stuff. And I have a long history of like writing. So, uh, I might want to do that, but I'm going to learn how to do that. And I might do an internship somewhere. Um, I'm interested, I think in like advocacy or like community organizing or membership organizing, but I'm really not sure. So that's, that's kind of where, what like the next few months for me is going to be like figuring that out. So you did already leave your last job. Oh yeah. My last day was February 15th. Um, and what's been your main focus since then? Um, so I'm right now I'm writing a movie script, which is unrelated to my career path. So my father passed away in October. And yeah, I was going to ask you about that, but I didn't want to be nosy. Um, no, no worries. Um, so I'm writing a movie script about his life. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he, he was very interesting and had like a kind of adventurous life with a lot of um, kind of adventurous New York 60s like crime type stuff because he was like a drug dealer and uh, a drug addict. Wait, is it going to be a movie or like documentary style? Uh, it'll be a movie. So uh, like, a, yeah, just a movie, fictional. And I'm... It's, it's a really hard process because I'm not a good writer and I've never written a movie script before and I'm eventually going to have a writing partner. Um, but that process has been slow, so I'm just working on it myself. And sent- Isn't there some software that you can download and it like teaches you and prompts you how to do... Yeah. Like format the setup. Yes, exactly. Yeah, there is. And I'm going I'm to purchase that. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm in the process of... Um, like improving my movie treatment and a treatment is like a summary of my movie. And it's like a 15 page document that explains every scene of the movie. Um, and I'm using this document to like send out to people to try and find writing partners who might be interested in writing it with me. Um, and I'm trying to make that good because right now it's just like a series of events and I have a writing coach who's like a professional writer. And she was like, you need to, transform this series of events into into like a through line and um like you i need to communicate more subtext in my in my movie treatment um so i'm just like trying to make this story sound as entertaining as possible um so that i can get a writer to write the script to make the script as entertaining as possible if that makes sense got it so it's going to take like three months um and i was allowing myself time to like chill out and take my time with it because I'm supposed to be in Vietnam right now, not working on it anyway. Um, but I have been working on it. And so that's, that's going to take a few months. Um, and then in addition to that, like I said, in the coming weeks, I want to learn how to, how to do grant writing. Grant writing. Mm-hmm. Which honestly, I don't think I would be interested in ultimately because I don't, I don't know if I'd be fulfilled like asking for money from large pools of money because honestly, one, I don't agree with the philosophy of corporate philanthropy um, and government grants are fine, but I, I'm not sure. I, I just, I'm not sure if that would, that would be my most interesting thing. 
Then why'd you pick grant writing? Because I know I'd be good at it. And I know it's like a valuable skill. And I know that like, if I could do it, that would get, that would probably get me a job. Well, what's the piece that you want to do? I, I think it's, um, it's something communication and like administration related. Um, so I think I'm interested in like membership organizing, um, or political advocacy. So I'm thinking, so like an internship might be in, in one of those things. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I mean, writing's always going to help you no matter what. So that can't like hurt. Yeah. Yeah. It's a nice thing to have like in my skill set. Also, I want, mm-hmm. I, I'm really prioritizing working remotely because I, I love seeing my family back East and like, I want to come down to North Carolina and visit you guys. Um, experience the madness and working remotely as you know is just easier for that yeah well i think a lot of organizations are going to shift their model after this whole force working remotely yeah yeah true that's that i that's one silver lining that i'm looking yeah at. it's like do we really need all this overhead i guess not yeah it's so much cheaper um yeah. my last company they didn't like give me a laptop and shit i mean they were a startup so they were cheap as shit but like I worked from home, I had my own laptop, you know, it was pretty low, low overhead. Yeah. <clears throat> so you're on a board for two organizations. Mm-hmm. How long have you been on a board member? Uh, one of them for two and a half years mm-hmm. and one of them for one year. That's awesome. So do you feel you completely understand like your role and what you're responsible for as a board member? Uh, oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty good at it. I'm I'm really happy that I found that as like a way of volunteering because like originally I was volunteering at a children's hospital, um, but I don't think that being on the front lines is what I'm supposed to be doing. I think I'm I'm better on the back end of stuff. Mm-hmm. So are the organizations you're a board member for, is it like what size are they? And are you a governing <coughs> board or are you an operating board? Um, we are a governing board for both of them. Um, and one of them has seven employees, full-time staff, and the other one has five full-time staff. Um, so they're pretty small. Um, one of them has been around 40 years and one of them has been around like 12 years. Um, one of them is the largest needle exchange program in a five state radius. So it's pretty... I think it's, it's like a pretty good honorary title. Um, um, but they're small organizations. Um, but the, the other organization, I'm the board chair. So I have, you know, a position that's, that has some status. So it's, it's, I like it a lot. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Most people who sign up for it are just like, Oh yeah, I'll do it. And then when they get into it and they learn really all that goes into sitting on a board, whether or not they're like highly functioning or just, you know, in that governing role, it's still a ton of work. Yeah. Yeah. I found like, cause I'm, I'm adding a lot of people. Um, since I left my, my full-time job, I've had so much more time to like dedicate to this. And for Mm -hmm. the, the, the board that I'm the board chair of, we only have seven board members and only like three of us are really active. And honestly, I'm the only like truly active one. Um, 
And so I'm expanding the board to 13 and I'm getting rid of three people or three people needed to needed to stop because they have essentially couldn't do the work. Um, but as I'm bringing in more people, I'm like making the expectations very clear up front. Like you're, mm-hmm. you will do up to four hours of work every month for this. And um, yeah. like this is the kind of work that I envision you doing. Um, yeah. But you'll be able to decide that for yourself, like after a couple months. So yeah, I like it. That's really cool. So that's part of my job is setting boards. Oh, really? <laughs> kind of boring. But um, so I created a board leadership award competition about nine years ago. And it's um, a three-step process. So any board can nominate themselves in DC, Maryland, or Virginia, and they start with a written application. And then we have a review panel that evaluates them and selects semifinalists. Hmm. Semifinalists come in for an interview, and then from there we select finalists, and the finalists get a site visit. So it's a pretty intense, like, multi-level competition. Um, And then there's one winner who receives $10,000. So... From that, I mean, it's the best professional development tool because you're experiencing real-time case studies um, and then hearing what works, what doesn't work, why it works. Um, And sometimes you see practices put in place that work really well on one board, and then on another board, it's a complete flop. So learning the best way to implement things and when to implement them. Um, So, yeah, I've been... Studying how boards interact and become sustainable for a while. Um, I find it really fascinating just because separately from studying a nonprofit and the management and how they operate and function, you're doing the same thing, but with a group of volunteers. So you don't have as much buy-in if you will like staff members they're being paid to be there right so they have more stake in the game because they don't want to lose their salary but when you're dealing with a board all of them could just turn around and walk away Mm -hmm. they don't really have much stopping them um so when you see a board function and operate super strong it's always exciting for me because it's it's really hard to do Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I found like my sales skills have come in handy because I'm constantly selling my fellow board members on like why we should be doing a certain thing or, or selling them on getting excited about doing some task for the organization. Yeah. I think that's also a reason why it's really difficult work is because you have someone who joins the board and they're super strong like you. And then once you leave, how do you make sure all those things that you constantly talk about and push remain there? Mm. Um, so a lot of the things that I talk about are around like building policies and structure and documents and not these pieces of paper that kind of like sit on the shelf, but they're like working documents that people look at all the time so that when the strong member leaves, like they continue. Ooh, I'm going to have to... I have to pick your brain on that some more. Did you study this in school? No. What did you study in school? Uh, I studied event management okay. for the most part, but um, marketing and communication. Gotcha. The emphasis was around events. And so did you come into the nonprofit world through events? 
no. Okay. I did not want to be in the nonprofit sector. Unlike you, I was like, I don't want anything to do with this. But I really wanted to work at large venues, you know, like Capital One Arena, things like that. So that was what I studied in college and where all my internships were, where like you would come in, someone would hand you a writer and you would have to like read through it, evaluate it, and then work through it start to finish until the event day. Um, and, you know, setting demographics and who should come through the venue and all that stuff. So nowhere near what I'm doing today, but that's fine. Um, I did an internship at Leadership Greater Washington in DC. It's essentially a fraternity for leaders in the city. Um, and on my last day of the internship, the executive director of that of Leadership Greater Washington made an announcement that it was my last day and I'm gonna be looking for a job, um, which was like the best thing for me because it was in front of a class of leaders in DC, right? Wow. So. Yeah people who could hire you um and three people came up to me right away one of them was glenn who is the ceo for the center for nonprofit advancement and he he's like let's go to lunch let's go to lunch and i was like you are in the nonprofit sector i have no interest <laughs> but he convinced me to just have lunch with him and he's like look this is where i'm at i had to let four people go we're completely restructuring and i just need your support to like trans through this transition work for me for three months i'll write you a check then we can like cut ties and it'll just be something that you can do while you're thinking about job search and my mom essentially was like you're crazy not to do this yeah. just take it <laughs> and so i did and now i've been there 11 years oh my god <laughs> uh, wow so damn it glenn <laughs> fucking glenn you said three months glenn what what was the name of this leadership thing in washington uh Leadership Greater Washington. I need to People find that. LGW. I need to find that for Colorado. <laughs> cool. Oh, yeah. So they have them all over the country. There's a Leadership Virginia. Um, I think every state has one, but then sometimes there'll be ones that are, like, more specific to cities, like Leadership Denver or something like that. Um, but it's a really, really strong network that you kind of just tap into. They only do one class a year. Um, I think normally they cap it at like 25 or 30 people. So you get to know that group super well. And then they do networking events throughout the year that, in, that invite previous class members. And then of course you get like a directory of everyone who's gone through and it's a, it's like a fraternity. Yeah. People are like, Oh, what year are you? Or they all have like their right. whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I look. Cool. I look through so many uh, resumes for new board members, and like so many people are six sigma. <laughs> it's like the biggest. Eva's like, oh, it's the biggest load of shit ever. Yeah, I know. Yeah, it's just like that's something you pay to like get get a certification on your resume. It's pretty. Funny. Yeah, and then you get to write it on your resume. What else is it for? I don't. I'm not into those things, but I know a lot of people are. So I shouldn't hate on him. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm looking through all these resumes and these people are like crazy accomplished. I'm, my goal is to be the least accomplished board member on the one that I'm the board chair of. <laughs> just have like, I have like PhDs and like people who are executive directors and just like all these big shots and, and, uh, and, and also like super young people that are clearly like crazy ambitious and will like do tons of work. I'm like, this is great. Yeah. You need those. Yeah. Those are the people that I want around me all the time. I'm like, did you just graduate? Are you like 
so motivated and want to take on the world, come work with me. Yeah. Do all the work. Yep. Um, wow. Well, that's super cool. So do you guys have like a ton in place already, like an onboarding packet and give or get policy and the roles and responsibilities document and all that stuff already in place? Um, we do. Yeah. That's really great. Mm-hmm. And that was all put in place by our executive director. She was, she was really good at that. Yeah. So. Um, and then do you guys evaluate your board members? Um, no, mostly because we've, well, for, for the board where I'm a board chair, no, because like just over the last two years, just getting board members has been a struggle. And also we had a huge transition where we had an executive director leave and a new one come in. So um, no, we haven't done board member evaluations. I never thought about that. Do you have board evaluations where you like evaluate the entire board and then do individual evaluations for each member? Um, no, before I came on, this organization didn't even have employee evaluations. <laughs> so oh. I, I like, I was the first one to do an executive director review in like over five years. It was like nuts. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah. So this, this organization needed, needed a ton of work. So, but we haven't, no, we don't have any sort of board oversight stuff like that. Yeah. So send me, send me that. (laughs) Cool that you're getting to be a part of that kind of cultural shift within the organization. Um, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. We it's, this organization doesn't, raise any money through fundraising or grant money. It's like all fee for service. Um, Mm. It's like kids, uh, it's child therapy services. Uh, We essentially run like a social work agency. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the other exciting thing is like, will we have, we've been running for 40 years without any essentially uh, fundraising money or grant money. And so once we start that, it can go towards, um, underserved communities and, and like can go towards scholarships. Um, also we're now working on like this huge, these huge research projects. Cause we haven't, we don't have any like empirical data about our program and we don't have validated like methodologies. Mm-hmm. So we're working with Colorado state university to like collect years worth of data so that we can, um, use it for grant money and also for like insurance and stuff. That's cool. So aren't they going to be super impacted because they can't provide their services right now? Um, We're an essential service. So, so we're still providing services and we have a, we still have a waiting list of, of parents who recently adopted kids that want, um, that want to bring their kids into the program. Um, So that hasn't stopped. And, and because the kids that we provide therapy for are severely traumatized. They have, um, uh, attachment disorder. Mm-hmm. And these are often like the, the parents like last hope. Um, so these parents are usually pretty desperate to get their kids into the program. So we haven't had a slowdown we still have a waiting list and, um, everybody's still working. Yeah. That's cool. So do you guys collaborate with any other organizations to kind of learn what they do to diversify where the revenue is coming in, coming in from? And um, No. And that was another like 
another thing that our organization wasn't doing before I came in, but now we've started talking. We just started talking with, there's only one other organization in the country that does what we consider to be like similar work. And it's this, this place in Arkansas and, um, and we've, we've just started collaborating with them. So yeah, we're starting. That's cool. Do you guys have any fundraising, um, fundraisers? We're going to do our first silent auction, um, at the end of this year. Awesome. What's the name of the organization? I want to look them up. Um, the Institute for Attachment and Child Development or IACD. But if you typed in like Institute for Attachment Colorado, you would get it. I won't do it now. I'll do it later because well, I don't every- want to have you just sit there while I look them up. But I love learning about different organizations, what they do. I feel like there's a nonprofit out there for literally everything and multiple nonprofits out there for mm-hmm. literally everything. So. I'm always like, you need to talk to this person and learn from each other. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. I'm so glad that you're on the board and starting to get involved. I think that's the best way to learn and get better and network, especially if you want to go into that sector for your career. That's good to know. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I might be doing, I might be doing a leadership course um, that this nonprofit would, would pay for, um, or actually, no, we would, we can apply for a scholarship through the nonprofit to get either part or all of this leadership program paid for. And um, our executive director did it a bunch of years ago. So we're talking about maybe having me do it this summer. So Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited. And, but like the, so part of the reason I've wanted to go into nonprofit work is like for many years, I've felt this like angst about the world and how like shitty the world is. And, um, maybe it was like my like Protestant upbringing, the idea, like giving me the idea that like, I need to like work really hard to like improve the world. And if I don't, um, I'm not really like bringing value to society. Um, I don't know why I have that idea in my head, but it's led to like a lot of angst about me contributing like 40 hours of work every week to something that isn't making society better. Um, so I've had that angst for a long time, but now as I'm thinking about what kind of nonprofit work to go into, um, I'm, I'm talking with all these people and, and understanding that like nonprofit work has a ton of burnout associated with it. And like, also like it's not going to make you feel any better about the world necessarily. <laughs> like yeah, maybe the opposite. Right. Yeah. Like people are banging their head against the walls and, and fighting for these little, little victories in a world that is like overwhelmingly against them seemingly. Um, so, so I understand it's like a struggle to do it, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And it's not a ton of money. (laughs) Right. So I think that also has a lot to do with the burnout because as you get older and your lifestyle brings on, you know, more expenses Mm -hmm. when you get married and when you have kids, when you buy a house and all that stuff, like your career can't always grow as quickly yeah. um, on the financial side when you're in the nonprofit sector. But that also balances out with other benefits like mm-hmm. more leave and being able to work remotely and stuff like that. So I guess people just need to look at like the bigger picture. Yeah. Not just, as, the, rep, not just the salary. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who's never going to have kids, it's like, well, how, 
how about I save making money for people who need it? Like I don't, I don't really need, I don't need to be like concerning myself so much with, uh, with making, making money. So. Yeah. But you still need to afford to live. Um, yeah, I think I figured it out where, well, first of all, I got, I got a little something called a sugar mama. So, Oh, perfect. <laughs> um, but also I, yeah, I figured out like the, how much I need to live, um, is not that much money because a, I have a, a sugar mama who takes care of like a lot of things, but also like I don't have kids and I'm not in debt and I'm never going back to school. Um, I share a car that I never drive. It's like, so my expenses are so low. I can, I can make 40,000, 50,000 a year and be like totally fine for the rest of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good balance. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Hmm. Well, I don't have, I, I didn't know if you had like more questions about different stuff in the nonprofit community, but I don't know what else to bring up for that. I'm sure I will. Um, I'm sure I will, but this has been a lovely introduction. I, I remembered that you had studied like event planning. And so I just thought that that's what your job was associated with. So it's really cool to learn about what your job is actually about. <laughs> Yeah. So I used to the first like six or seven years I was with this organization, I did manage all the events um, as part of my job. And now I'm so far removed because I don't have the capacity. So now staff who I interact with handle all the like day to day stuff. Um, And I'm I don't get to which is kind of frustrating, you know, like the more I progressed in my career the farther away I am from doing like the stuff that I found enjoyable (laughs) um so now I I'm more so focused on like the sustainability and the operations of the organization and like our finances and pushing through our audit and managing our board and the strategic thinking of the organization and that's not so much the fun oh, what is the theme for annual celebration going to be? <laughs> so I'm going to work on any of that stuff anymore. Yeah. I used to find that so exciting. Right. Yeah, yeah. That's like kind of play more playful aspects. Yeah. And it's great that my career has evolved and now I have all these different challenges, but I miss doing like the fun stuff. Yeah, yeah. Damn. <laughs> that's okay. Now I get to look at 990s and financial statements. Ooh, hot. Very hot. Um, so fun. Yeah, I, uh, I, I'll probably have more questions for you, so I'll, I'll ask you. We'll, we'll... Yeah, ask away, cool. and then yeah, whenever you guys are trying to come up with something, email me, and if I already have a template oh for it, or if I've seen an organization do one like super well, I'll just send it to you. That's amazing. I love how we're networking on this podcast. That's so DC. So DC. <laughs> well, having to create something from scratch, I'm like. Mm-hmm. Who has this? Like teleworking policies. So everyone had to be teleworking now, the entire team. And so all of our members were like, we need a policy in place for this. I'm like, I'm not going to write this. Does someone have a teleworking policy already in place that we can just adapt? Thank you. Yeah, that makes so much sense. Smart. So I'm always doing that. Mm -hmm. I hope people don't get mad. Um, Okay, I have have one unrelated question for you. Like totally unrelated. But I figured... I kind of want to ask it. Um, So when do you have, when your kids get old enough, do you have a place in mind that you would like to take them on vacation? 
Um, yes. So old enough meaning what though? Because you tell me. Old enough <laughs> to like, oh, we can all travel and we don't have to bring car seats, or old enough where they're, they're gonna remember. Um, well, you tell me. I mean, are you going to go to Asheville, North Carolina? Are you going to go to Disney World? Are you going to go to Japan? Yeah, so I think we're going to start doing at least one trip a year. So this year it's Gatlinburg, Tennessee. Oh, Roy great. Cool. None of them will remember this, but they'll all be at least a year old. Mm-hmm. So everyone will be walking. <laughs> Hurdle. That's good. Um, we're yeah. going to stay at Dollywood, which is like, really kid friendly they have santa in the lobby every night and like the elves come down you write your christmas letter ah. and they have cookies and there's a um a shuttle that brings you back and forth from the hotel to dollywood which is like her park sure and they have all the christmas lights up and so that's going to be like our big trip this year um cool. we'll all be out of the house it'll be something for everyone and <laughs> It'll be like really Christmassy, so we're gonna do that the first week of December. Are you? Is your family coming too for more hands on deck, like in laws? So Adam's family actually goes every single year, and we haven't gone the last like three or four years. So we're gonna like this is our first year to go again since having kids. We're counting it as like our big first trip. Cool. And then. Um, I don't know what we'll do the next year, but I think we're, we'll definitely do like Disney World and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's just like, it's a ton of money to travel now and they're not going to remember. It's like, how much do you want to travel with them versus we're going to still travel and we're going to leave them at home until they're at an age where they can remember, you know? That's such a good point. It's so much money for memories they won't have. (laughs) And um, you're also kind of parenting on the road. Like it's not a full vacation for you. So yeah. So I think until they're old enough, we're going to, all of our trips will be something like with family. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, and and more hands on deck, baby. That's good. Yeah. Uh, Have you been to Asheville? No. Oh my God. It's my, it's like one of my favorite places in the U.S. Have you heard of it? Have you, have you like, do you know what it's all about? So uh, it's just funny that you say it because we were looking at moving to Asheville. We'd both never been. And we got in a car and we were going to first drive to Raleigh and stay with Bang. Mm-hmm. And then for a couple of days and then continue on to Asheville and then go home. And we never made it to Asheville. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. We went to see Bang and then we were like driving around the outskirts and we fell in love with Apex. And we never kept going to Asheville. We're like, okay, if X is it. So yeah. we still have never been to Asheville. Wow. It's probably harder to get to. Like, it's probably farther away uh, from Northern Virginia, Asheville, I'm guessing. Yeah, like seven or eight hours. Like so in the boonies. Um, but it is so cool. It's funny. People today will be like, oh, it's not like it used to. Now it's like a little more refined. But if you go there, it doesn't feel refined. It's like they the town fought really hard to keep corporations out. So every shop is like truly independent and like the shop owner is often in the store behind the counter and it's all kinds of handmade stuff. Um, it's like the beer capital of, of the East Eastern seaboard. Um, and it's like the birthplace of bluegrass. Um, so it has like this crazy cultural history 
that I never ex- would have expected to find in the fucking backwoods of North Carolina. Yeah. And uh, New Belgium Brewery's there now, and Oscar Blues has a second brewery now. So, like, you can just spend all day drinking outside on the patios and looking at these old cool buildings. But there's a great art scene. There's, like, free art galleries all over. The food is incredible. Um, So, yeah, I love it. Yeah, we've heard amazing things about it. I don't know if we want to live there with kids. Yeah. Um, But we definitely want to visit. Yeah, it'd be a weird place to live. I mean, it it is cut off, you know? And yeah. like you're surrounded by like country ass mountain folk, like church going. Um, it's in it's a very interesting culture, but also the hiking's great out there. So yeah, you should should consider that because um, it's probably what three hours from you. Yeah. So my mom got a house um, on a lake right outside Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called Lake Moss, but it's not. It's like on the other side of Charlotte. It's not on the side where um, George, um, where all the, the huge lakes, Lake Wiley, and like where the NASCAR families live and all that stuff. It's like yeah. a smaller private lake. Um, but it's only like an hour, 45 minutes, an hour to Asheville. So I'm hoping that well, that will be like really easy for us to do even a day trip out there mm-hmm. from the lake house. Yeah. This is years from now when like all of our kids are older and they want to spend the day with their grandparents on the lake and Adam and I can sneak out and like yes. go on hikes. Oh my God. Stuff. Yes. Those will be the days, baby. I know. Every time we like start to talk about going on a trip, we're like, who are we kidding? We can't even get all these kids to the grocery store. You know, it's like, it's just impossible right now. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a logistical yeah. uh, thing. Every, everything for us. Yeah. But I think that's a good plan. Yeah, park them, park them at that at that lake house, and then take take yeah. the trip up for a day. I know, and I keep telling myself, well, at least we're done with the baby thing. You know, these people who have like a kid, and then six years later they have another kid, and then mm-hmm. four years later, I'm like I will never deal with a newborn again. <laughs> done yeah. with baby stuff. Every time Parker and Ellie grow out of something, I'm like, get rid of it. We're never going to use it again because <laughs> it's in my house. Nice. It's really refreshing. Good. Yeah, I hear you. I bet, yeah, I bet that's the worst part. Not sleeping? Um, yeah, just like the new, I bet it gets, I'm, I'm guessing it gets easier. That's what I've heard. I don't know. They become humans, and, like, that's, that's good, I think. I hope the next time we talk on here isn't a year from now, and I say, well, when I got off the podcast, I found out I was pregnant. <laughs> With triplets. No. That would be, like, my worst nightmare. No, let's get on the pod again soon, like in the next couple of weeks. Come on, we're quarantined. What are we doing? Okay, well, I want to learn more about all the organization stuff that you're doing. Okay, let should we? Can we do that on the next episode? Yeah, so maybe we can like go through who you're recruiting for your slots and how to, um, like make the onboarding process more efficient mm-hmm. and what you can put into place so that it's bringing on even stronger candidates. Oh my God. That'd be great. Cause I've been like randomly making stuff being like, this seems good <laughs> without consulting anyone. So yeah, that'd be good. But I could just see like starting on a piece of paper and putting the date on the right hand corner. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly like, it's like sixth grade. All right. Today. Right. My name is that's right. <laughs> totally. Yeah. I want to talk about all that stuff. Okay. Yeah, let's do that. Um, let's do that soon. Sound good? Yes.
I'm hungry, so I'm going to go eat lunch. I'm going to finish my bowl of chips. <laughs> what do you got? R- uh, ridged? Uh, what? Is- yeah, the what they're called? enormous ridged? bag you can buy from Costco. I don't even w- know what they are. I'm like, this bag is going to be sufficient. Mm-hmm. Good. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. That was a lot of fun. Okay. Enjoy your enjoy your life at home. You too. All right. Let's talk soon. Let's get on soon. All right. Bye. All right. See ya. I'm going to put back on Run the Jewels to play us out. This a Taylor requested hardcore rap. So thanks again, Taylor. Bye. This has been the Unnecessary Podcast.